Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to a brand new DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope that you're all doing well and thank you as always for being here. It's great to have you along for a bit of F1 chat and discussion as the F1 season for 2023 finally draws to a conclusion after the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix that we just witnessed, Max Verstappen once again being the constant throughout the 2023 season. And just to lay off the numbers to edify how dominant he has been it was his 19th win of 22 races this season he has led over 1,000 laps of racing I believe he's one of the only drivers to have completed every single lap this season it has been an absolutely astonishing season from Max Verstappen is it the most dominant season we've ever witnessed in Formula One by a single driver Probably. But to break that down and all of the action that went down at this weekend's finale in Abu Dhabi, we've got Lee Wannington joining me on the panel. Lee, first of all, how are you doing, mate? And what did you make of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix weekend? Was it a fitting finale to the 2023 F1 season? Uh, well, firstly, I'm good. Thank you for asking, Adam. And I hope you are too. Um, the, the race, I, I was so enthralled in that Mercedes-Ferrari battle, how it just ebbed... Um, Advantage Ferrari, Advantage Mercedes, Advantage Ferrari, Advantage Mercedes. And then there was the Alpha Tari, mainly um, uh, Sonoda. Will he get that all-important sixth place? And he seemed to be up there on his one stop. And it's like, oh, this is really in all oh, the possibilities. And oh, that's what kept me engrossed on the is that lower down um, racing and the, the teams um, after, obviously, first and second was tied up with the drivers. But oh, it, it, I was thoroughly enjoying the race from that perspective. Yeah, it wasn't a bad battle in the end between Mercedes and Ferrari. And, you know, we were entertaining qualifying. We saw Leclerc and Russell were doing very well. And equally, Sainz and Hamilton were struggling for different reasons. And it culminated in an interesting battle, albeit 
Leclerc and Russell barely saw each other throughout the entirety of the race, but they were always in direct competition. As it was, Mercedes were the ones that got the better of Ferrari, finishing P2 in the Constructors' Championship, despite Charles Leclerc's best efforts on the day. Um, Before we focus on that, though, I do want to focus a little bit on Max Verstappen, um, seeing as he did win the Grand Prix and completed what was an incredible season of dominance from him. We've already rolled off the numbers, Lee. 19 race wins by Max Verstappen. Single-handedly had enough points to win the Constructors' Championship by himself. Over a 1,000 laps led. I believe that's more laps now than what Senna and Prost managed all those years ago when they dominated for McLaren back in, what was it, 89, when they won 15 out of 16 races that season. Just to tip off how incredible a season that is by the numbers, Lee, was today's performance from Max Verstappen just a fitting example of how his 2023 has been? I mean, other than the first few laps, he never really looked under pressure at all. Yeah, I mean, it was a perfect example of the, over a synopsis of the the entire season, Max starting strongly and disappearing off into the distance, Sergio coming back in to the podium throughout the race, which has been a reoccurring theme, Mercedes and Ferrari fighting it out, um, Aston Martin and McLaren fighting it out, um, and it's just that's just basically been the, the the theme of the season. Yes, Aston Martin were far, the faster than Mercedes and Ferrari at the start of the season, but throughout the season, there was more Aston Martin fighting McLaren than Mercedes and Ferrari, and it just it just is a good, a good uh, example of what we had this season through this uh, this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, looking at the numbers for Red Bull season, 21 victories, of course, out of 22. The one blank they drew at Singapore, of course. 30 podiums, 11 fast slap, 14 pole positions, 5 sprint victories. The one exception to that, of course, was Oscar Piastri winning in Qatar and 860 points. More than double Mercedes uh, who finished behind them in P2. So, yeah, absolutely remarkable performance from Red Bull and Max Verstappen. In your opinion, Lee, did we just witness the most dominant season, not only by team, but of by uh, not by driver, of course, but by the team as well in F1 history? Uh, I, I think this is definitely going to be up there as the most dominant season. I think Max obviously has a a, a win ratio of eighty-seven percent, give or take. I think it's a bit more specific than that, but I'm just generalizing. Um, I think it was about 86.36, just yeah, doing was, numbers on my calendar. Yeah, so it, you're in that ballpark. It was in that ballpark. I just ran it up. Yeah. But I think and, as, a, <laughs> as a driver, I, I believe that's definitely one of the most dominant performances in Formula 1. I don't know if it is the number one, but it's definitely up there um, if it isn't. Um, but as a team, uh, obviously, they they probably are up there as uh, overall one of the most dominant performances we've ever seen in the sport. Um, I don't know if it's... Well, it probably does equal the McLaren of uh, Senna Prost because they only, as a team, they only lost one race, um, which is McLaren did as well in those times. So, it's at the very least, it's equaled that record um, for domination. So, it's definitely been a, a, a perfect example of a team and driver in harmony this season. Mm, it very much is, and of course, we had thirty percent more races this year than we did back then. So, you know, even though the numbers may not suggest, and we haven't checked these, of course, so they may well do regardless. But by looking at the numbers and looking at the on-track action this season, I don't think many people can argue that this is about as near perfect a season as you're ever going to see in Formula One. It, it's unprecedented stuff that we've seen from Red Bull and the RB19. It's just a culmination of an incredible team and driver, particularly uh, with Max Verstappen at the very peak of their powers, 
of course, you know, we can admire how brilliant Max Verstappen and Red Bull have been this season. Nobody could even argue that, even if you were the most anti-Red Bull Max Verstappen fan. I don't think you could argue that this hasn't been anything short of remarkable. The hope, of course, over the winter break now is that the other teams will be able to make ground and catch Red Bull. May not necessarily to a degree where they can beat them, but at least challenge them so that we see more of a variety of race winners. And at the very least, put Max Verstappen under some pressure where he doesn't have to hold you up for two laps or defend from you after lap one or two and then drive off into the distance where you never see him again until the podium. No, I mean, there was that um, uh, radio contact with his engineer when he was advising when Sergio used to pit. Um, he was like, he was, he was in a, having a, a nice casual drive out in the desert. Uh, like, Sergio should pit before me. It's fine. It's all good. Don't worry about it. We like, know Max's race is going really well and he's comfortable when he's actually asking to help Sergio instead of him instead. Yeah. <laughs> he, could, he could have easily been um, placing an order for his celebratory meal afterwards. Like, I'm going to have this off the menu. You pick that. I want this drink. It's just on my shopping list for next week. I'm going to have this on my shopping. It's just it was a, just a serene drive once he disappeared after the first couple of laps. Yeah, and of course he had Charles Leclerc giving him a bit of a run for his money. That was pretty exciting off the start. And uh, at one point, it looked like Leclerc had that move done. And maybe, as Martin Brundle mentioned on commentary, Leclerc himself thought he had the move done. As it was, Max swung it round the outside. Very, very close, hard racing. That's exactly how it should be done. I know a lot of people weren't happy about the assessment. Me, in particular, made um, after the Vegas incident between Leclerc and Max... But that's how it should be done. It was hard, it was fair, and it was very, very good racing. And Leclerc very nearly got Max early on. Yeah, that was very uh, good, great move from Max. And they were brilliant driving from both of them, not to make contact, not foresee either of them off the track. Clean driving. Um, and yeah, it, Charles stuck with him for the first couple of laps and he was in that DRS zone. And then Max just turned it up a little bit, turned it up, and there, there he goes. It broke the DRS and off he goes. Um, as we've seen numerous times this season. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, after the first pit stop, some may say Ferrari might have waited a bit too long with Leclerc's strategy when he was on the mediums because he was running Max quite close at the time. But as we've seen often this season, it looked like Max had him at an arm's width, had him exactly where he wanted him. And as soon as he put the afterburners on, he was in a different postcode altogether. Um, Moving on to Sergio Perez, of course, we should talk about his race, his season coming to an end, despite the fact that There have been some highlights to his season. Those obviously came much earlier in the season. Finishing P2 overall. His race probably was a good way of summing up his 2023 season, where obviously there was pace there. A recovery drive, once again, it had to be after a poor qualifying performance. But again, there were a few moments, particularly at the end when he was fighting with Lando Norris, that a mistake here or there can cost you some big points. And ultimately costed him a podium today with that incident with Norris. Yeah, there's definitely been an, an example of Sergio's season. Having pace, doing recovery drives, making a mistake, getting a penalty. That has very much been Sergio's seen this season, um, which is a shame that, uh, that he had so many penalties this season. Um, but it, it did cost him the podium. And, and it probably also helped uh, Mercedes secure P2 in the in the constructors as well as a byproduct of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to get to that, but it enabled, yeah. enabled George to get the podium um, when 
when the obviously that gap uh, would have been different if Sergio wasn't given a five second penalty. So yeah, it's just a obviously and probably a bit of a disappointing performance. But he's done the important work and secured P two last time out. Yeah, I mean, he looked very racy. Obviously, had an f- early battle with Hamilton in the first few laps, and that got quite tight between the two. But of course, um, he managed to fight his way through the field. His pace was pretty good. But then, as you said, when he got near the front, a few um, costly mistakes. And uh, yeah, that's it. No podium for Checo on his final race of the season. But otherwise, I'm sure he'll be happy to see the back end of the 2023 season, despite the fact that he finished runner-up. There's no shame in that at all. So, um, you know, I think he'll be happy with that without all the context added into it. Um, In terms of the incident with Norris, how did you see that? Because on commentary, Martin Brundle was a bit surprised that the stewards handed him a five-second penalty. Of course, there was contact between the two drivers, which uh, Checo himself was very angry about. He was adamant that he had the corner and that Lando should have backed off. And of course, he didn't, and they made contact. So uh, how did you see that, Lee? Do you agree with Perez, or do you think the stewards are right to award him a five-second penalty? I I think the stewards are right in that instance. There there was more space. Sergio could have provided more space. Um as he was the overtaking driver, but he obviously did oversteer, which shows obviously his fault. Um, well, it's not his explicit fault. He didn't oversteer on purpose, but it was his car that um, oversteered into Lando. Um, but if you give him more space, if he'd oversteered, if he had more space, he wouldn't have hit, made contact with Lando. Um, so it's one of those things the driver obviously they have to manage is the possibility of the car not going where they want it to go, um, when especially when it oversteers or understeers. So, yeah, I think it's just a, a silly error in a, a, in a tight, close combat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I agree with you on this one. I don't think Checo, when you look back at the footage, he can complain too much about the penalty that was awarded for the incident. Um, I mean, look, he was arguing on the radio that he was first to the corner. I've seen that replay three or four times now. At no point was Checo really ahead of Lando until just before they make contact. And... You know, we had this last week with with Max Verstappen and Leclerc. It's almost, at what point in a corner do you deem someone ahead to be granted that much room over your opponent? And even if you did give the guy on the inside uh, the priority into the corner, Lando Norris, the person on the outside, halfway through the corner, he can't just disappear when you're running wide like Perez was. You know, he understeers there in, in the mid part of the corner. That causes him to make the contact with Lando as Lando's turning into the corner. You can't expect Lando Norris to disappear. So, you know, I, I admire Checo's tenacity in this incident to a certain degree. I, I can understand why he was frustrated. But at the same time, you can't go into a corner like that. Even if he went in without understeering, you can't just bump someone out of the way. Um, that was very much, the contact was very much caused by the fact that Checo had understeered and bumped Lando off the road. So, you know, despite his protests, I can't really argue against what the stewards did. I think they were absolutely spot on. Checo himself... As I said, he was very, very angry about that. And he had a few choice words to say on the team radio that we heard after the race. And he was given a formal warning by the stewards about his comments, noting that uh, Perez had made a genuine apology to them afterwards, but they were reminding him of the international sporting codes about the language he was using towards him on the team radio. Um, But as I said, let us know your thoughts in the comments on that incident. Lee and myself think it was a fair penalty from the stewards, but uh, let me know if you disagree. Always good to hear from you guys in the comment section. Uh, So let's talk about Mercedes and Ferrari now. As we alluded to earlier, Mercedes were victorious in the end over Ferrari, confirming 
that they finished runners-up in the Constructors' Championship. Over the course of the season, Lee, we can argue in so many different ways whether or not they deserve to finish ahead of Ferrari. It could have gone either way in this Constructors' Championship, but at the end of the day, Mercedes had to get the job done, and through George Russell in particular, they very much did. Oh, yeah, it was a... It was a brilliant um, drive from George today. Obviously, Lewis struggled all weekend, but that's where you, where they make a good team uh, between George and Lewis. Um, and this is one of the criticisms we've had between Max and Sergio is when Lewis isn't there, George is there. When George isn't there, Lewis is there. And that means the team always has a good um, point scoring potential. Um, and in this instance, Lewis wasn't there, but George was. And it was George's drive today that delivered. Um, and you could argue if it was um, good for them next season or not, um, depending on your view of the, obviously, the aero development time. But it was obviously well done to Mercedes for bringing their car, developing their car into where it was at the start of the season to secure P2 by the end. Yeah, of course. And look, look we can analyse whether or not in 2024 Mercedes will live to regret the fact that they have now afforded themselves less development time than Ferrari in, in terms... Because obviously Ferrari, it's nice to beat Ferrari if you're Mercedes and they'll certainly be happy about the P2, but they're not satisfied with P2. They want to be winning championships. And at the moment, the only team that they have to overcome to do that is Red Bull, not necessarily Ferrari. So, of course, we'll have to analyse this in the first few months of next season to see how did that cost them finishing P2. But at least for today, they'll be very happy with that. It's a real slog and effort from Mercedes, considering where they were at the back end of 2022 and there were question marks over whether or not they should persist with the current concept or change it. They made those changes. There was a noticeable improvement for Russell and Hamilton. But overall, I think they can take the result as it was today, be happy that they managed to get the P2. It's been a very good job from everyone all around to try and get Mercedes back into that position again. But of course, looking ahead to 2024, the goal will have to be for them to catch and try and overcome the might of Red Bull next season. Well, I think a minimum, they should be aiming for a race win, let alone trying to fight a championship. They they secured P2, but to their annoyance, they obviously had to completely win the season. Which I think is the first time since 2012, I think, or maybe it's 2013. It might be earlier than that. But didn't Rosberg win in 2012 for Mercedes? Their yeah, first maybe victory did. in China. So 2011. Um, was it 2012? So, he did that. Yeah, probably because it was on a postcard. They, I think so. Yeah. So yeah, first yeah. time in about 12 years they haven't won a race in the season. That is um, remarkable. I have to check that one with our good friend Sean, virtual statman Kelly, on that one. If that's that's the case, but uh, yeah. And that says it all, Lee. 12 years with, with uh, winning a race in every single season, the first year that they haven't. And in fairness, you know, there were a few moments last season, albeit they did win both races in Brazil with George Russell, of course. Very impressive weekend that was. But even then, there were a few occasions where Mercedes looked like they could win if it wasn't for Max Verstappen. I know Sir Lewis Hamilton would have felt that way. Arguably this season, other than Singapore, where they Russell very nearly beat signs on the day there. And of course, you know, we know how that one went down. I don't think Mercedes ever really looked close to winning a Grand Prix this season, did they? No, they definitely haven't looked close to winning a, a Grand Prix this season. Um, they they had more opportunities last season than they did this season. And I think their car was a lot worse last season. 
Yeah, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because winning in Brazil last year would obviously have prompted Mercedes when they were kind of 50-50 on whether to persist with what they had or try something new, which is eventually what they ended up doing. Probably was a poison chalice for them. Perhaps if they didn't win in Brazil, they might be further along in terms of trying to catch Red Bull than they actually are. But uh, we'll never know. We certainly know Mercedes will not continue down that route in 2024. The W14 will definitely be a very strong reminder as to how things can be very difficult, even for a mighty team like Mercedes. A quick one on George Russell. As you rightly pointed out, Hamilton completely nowhere this weekend. A very surprising one. Maybe a bit of fatigue after a tough season for him and maybe... Maybe he just didn't, was it, his head wasn't in the game in, in the same way that it has been in other races this year. Totally understandable for Lewis. But George Russell, a driver that, in terms of form, had been a bit up and down and perhaps not as uh, glorious as his teammates' form was. But this weekend, he was absolutely brilliant. George Russell producing the performances we come to expect of him. And that must bode well for 2024 if George can bottle that momentum and take that into next season. I mean, it will. It should bode well for him. Um, it's a shocking um, stat there. It was his only second podium of the year, um, which just shows you the kind of messy season George has had, unfortunately. But the he's got that momentum, and we know how important it is to take a momentum going forwards. He can finish the season on a high, which hopefully means he can start on a high as long as Mercedes obviously deliver the car um, that enables him to bring that performance. Mm. And of course, you know, getting the big result today was obviously well, what count for them. Uh, quick one on Hamilton before we move on to Ferrari. Uh, another winless season for Sir Lewis Hamilton. We'll talk about this more in the review, but uh, I can imagine the first priority for him will be to make sure that that doesn't happen for a third year in a row and that he's back to winning ways in 2024. Oh, yeah, he, he definitely wants to be winning races. He's not there to make up the numbers. Um, and at the rate Max is knocking up wins, I'm sure he's already thinking about his record and he wants to be adding to that record. Well, third highest <laughs> win, third highest winner in F1 now ahead of Sebastian Vettel. Um, remarkable stuff. It really is from Max Verstappen. But of course, you're right. Hamilton, hopefully he will be back in the mix next season. Only highlight of the season for him. Some great drives, of course, some good podiums and a pole position in Hungary, which lasted as much as a corner before Max managed to take that off him. So yeah, hopefully a better year for Hamilton in 2024, but uh, Mercedes will obviously be delighted that they beat Ferrari in P2. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Moving on to Ferrari, they'll be left to lick their wounds of what could have been in 2023. It was a very tough season for them. Definitely a wake-up call, considering they thought they might be in a position to challenge Red Bull more fiercely than they were in 2022. But in terms of today, I think we can honestly say... Charles Leclerc, once again, as we saw in Vegas, really showing that he is one hell of a talent. He just needs to have the car underneath him over the season, doesn't he, to real, to make a real go at this in terms of a championship. Well, yeah, he def- I think that's the missing ingredient for him, obviously, that he does make some silly mistakes occasionally. But I think that's probably more of a spillover because he doesn't have confidence in the car, so he sometimes overdrives when the car doesn't perform as he would like it. So if Ferrari can deliver that car... That grows his um, confidence. And then he obviously get those um, excellent 
performances. You just have to think of the perform- the performances he delivered in 2019, for example, and and how he took it to Mercedes and he took it to his experienced teammate at the time, Sebastian Vettel. Um, so we know he can do it. It's just it's just the car that I think is the missing ingredient for him. And yes, I mean every driver needs to have a brilliant car, but I think he needs to have a reliable, stable car. Not obviously you have a winning car, great, but I think he just needs reliable and stable. And I think that will just bring his own benefits. Yeah, absolutely. I think we can agree, we can argue to a certain extent that Leclerc has been one of the more unlucky drivers this season. It's far from perfect from his own performances. A lot of mistakes were coming early on. But I could name so many different occasions where Leclerc dropped points owing to force majeure or reasons that he was not in control of. And, you know, without those, Ferrari would have finished P2 in the constructors for sure. Leclerc may have even had a go at finishing P2 in the Drivers' Championship for a second year in a row. As it was, a P5 for him just missing out on P4 where Fernando Alonso, because he got more second place finishes than Leclerc. But I think there'll be some level of pride for him that he managed to overhaul at least his teammate on the final race of the season to be a bit more of a fair reflection of their seasons. So, um, I mean, yeah, Leclerc today, uh, pole, obviously not pole position, pulled a P2 out of his hat um, or out of his backside, whatever you want to call it, in qualifying. <laughs> Remarkably, a remarkable job from him to do that. And... You know what? Even though there were times where they thought with the Ferrari drop-off in performance, he had P2 pretty much on lock. Obviously, he let Checo go in an attempt to try and break that five-second barrier to George Russell. It wasn't successful. But uh, yeah, it was nice to see Leclerc very much in control and showing what he's capable of, perhaps beyond what Ferrari were expecting. Carlos Sainz, um, tough day, tough weekend for him was never really at the races at all and you know a bit disappointing that unfortunately because of that Ferrari we're not able to take the P2 in the Constructors Championship but uh, how what did you make of Carlos Sainz this weekend Um, a little bit disappointing to be honest yeah I I think for Carlos it it was a disappointing weekend but I think it all pointed down to his accident in practice which he, he never got the track time to get the understanding of the car to get set up and to be comfortable to deliver this weekend um, and I think that's just it's just been a terrible winter the season for him. Obviously, what happened in Vegas, um, and maybe that's affected his attitude this weekend. I'm still sure he's probably annoyed at what happened last week time out. Um, mm. and yeah, and it's just a spillover, and unfortunately, it's yeah just been a bit of a mess of an end of the, this last weekend. But I do want to add with Charles, it was nice to see him thinking about strategy. It's one of the criticisms we've had of him over the last few years is he does what the team says. He doesn't think outside the box, but it was nice that he's like, I'm going to try this. This is a good strategy. We could, this may win us the constructors or not win us the constructors, get us P2 in the constructors. And just imagine if it worked that he dropped back and Sergio got that gap and they got, before he got P2, that had been a brilliant on the track strategic call by Charles. So you're going to add, got to give him credit on that. That is nice to see him to think um, a strategy once, not just follow Ferrari's orders. It's a good point, and I think the task for next season will be to see a bit more of that. Um, admittedly, Ferrari didn't make too many strategy blunders, as they've often done this season. Uh, obviously, signs it was a huge gamble on the strategy that they had for him. They were banking on a safety car, which just never really came for them, and uh, he pulled out of the race before he was DQ'd because he knew there was no chance of points. So, a bit of a sombre way for him to end his season, and Ferrari as well, obviously just missing out on P2. But again, we're talking about two teams here, Mercedes and Ferrari, that, you know, $10 million is a lot of money or however much it is, the gulf between the two teams in terms of prize money. 
But if there's two teams that can afford to drop that much money in order to pursue extra time to improve the performance of their car, it's probably Mercedes and Ferrari. So I guess that kind of leads me to my final question on these two, Lee. As I said, Mercedes won the day. They finished P2 in the Constructors' Championship. The team and the drivers were obviously very happy that they've made a step forward in that regard compared to where they were last season, despite the fact that obviously that's not where they want to be going forward. But have, will Ferrari have the last laugh potentially now that because they finished P3, they'll have more development time, more CFD hours, more wind tunnel time as well. Is this a bit, Is could Ferrari have the last laugh in 2024 because of this? I, I would say it's, it would look likely. I mean, the as you said, the two teams, um, the financial world isn't as, a, as important as other teams. Um, and our $10 million for this bit of extra aero time, they probably say that's a brilliant business purchase. I'll pay $10 million to get that bit of extra aero time. And they need the aero, both teams need the aero time because they need to catch up with Red Bull. And not to obviously make it even, be even faster than Red Bull, but just to catch up. So I think for our, yes, they'll be disappointed for Pride, but I think they'll, they'll be very quite pleased with the extra time both teams have been a bit lost in their development especially the earlier part of the season we um, maybe they obviously got ideas behind the scenes where to go next year but these are still new concepts that are at least a year year and a half two years behind the red bull concept so they need that catch-up time and any advantage over red bull in the development time like you think ferrari what they they're going to have 10 percent more than red bull um going through this winter uh, in the development time, it's, it's a five percent drop off between. Yeah, P2. obviously Red Bull don't have the penalty now, yeah. but um, and and the, that's a good point. Yeah, so the the drop off and it's a ten percent uh, extra development time with Red Bull, and I think that that's important, and and obviously that means they could potentially overhaul um, Mercedes into next season. Absolutely, and. You know, out of the two, I think we can agree that if there's one team that needed the more development time, it's probably Ferrari out of the two. I mean, we can talk about this more in the end of season review. I think Ferrari have made some really good gains in the second half of their season, particularly in understanding this car a bit better, which will serve them well into 2024. I think we can also agree that Mercedes have struggled, particularly in the last few races. I think it's raised more questions about... The fact that we thought Mercedes might be on top of the issues with their car, but then newer issues come up and it makes you wonder whether or not they fully understand the problems with this car that puts them in a good position to fix those by the time 2024 comes around. Of course, we'll have to wait and see. But um, if Ferrari had finished ahead of Mercedes, for example, I think Mercedes would have benefited more um, from having extra time than Ferrari would have by having extra time. So, you know, make of that what you will. But, um, you know, congrats to Mercedes. Ferrari, of course... Tough year for them, but plenty of lessons to have learned and hopefully plenty that they have learned, which will serve them both well in 2024. We really want to see them two in particular back in the fight with Red Bull. Let's move on to McLaren now. Consolidating that P4 result and getting the win over Aston Martin in that regard. I mean, it always seemed very likely that unless something crazy happened, McLaren would get that job done. And it's been a remarkable climb for them considering where they were earlier this season. But um, despite an impressive qualifying performance from McLaren, where Piastri was third, Norris was fifth, could have easily put that McLaren on the front row if his uh, final run in Q3 had gone the way he would have hoped. But only fifth and sixth in the end 
for McLaren. Uh, Norris a little bit unlucky, of course, because he had some problems at the first pit stop. Then, of course, that incident with Checo Perez. So maybe a podium could have been on the cards for Lando. But I think... I don't think I'm unrealistic or unreasonable in saying that I was expecting McLaren to be much more competitive this weekend at a track I thought would suit them better. Is this a case, Lee, where perhaps McLaren aren't as strong compared to the other teams around them as we thought they might be? Uh, I think there may be a, a, an argument for said that, but I think McLaren is more um, peaky than some Mercedes and Ferrari that is very... A conditional specific and some it has to be the right temperature for them to extract the right performance from their tires to get um they obviously do have good downforce levels overall as a car but the sometimes they, they could be in one in the practice session but i know practice isn't completely relevant but they could be in practice or they could be in qualifying and they'd be on it but they come the race they're nowhere but they could be nowhere in practice and qualifying and they're on it in the race and that's just the changing conditions of the car and the track temperature tire temperature uh, wind direction is another thing I'll see that affects it. And I think McLaren is quite more affected by these variables than some of the other teams on the grid. Um, and Lando himself has been quite critical of himself regarding his performances in qualifying that he's not delivered when he should have, where Oscar has then delivered. Um, and yeah, I think it's just a development year for the team. And it's more about what they can obviously carry into next year. Yeah. I mean, it's been a good season. I don't want to sort of bring it down, but there's been a lot of suggestions that McLaren are in the best position to challenge Red Bull in 2024 in terms of the concept that they've adapted and the improvements that they've made. But based off of what we've seen in the last few races, I would question, you know, how how close are they to Red Bull compared to the other teams? I mean, because if you ask me to think, to pick out what car I thought would be the best to challenge Red Bull in 2024 based on what we saw in the last few races, I wouldn't have probably picked McLaren, which is strange because I think a lot of people probably would pick McLaren based on what they've seen over the majority of this season. But um, some food for thought, it might leave some doubt in their mind going into the winter break, which is one thing, of course, they cannot afford to slow them down at all because this is going to be a big winter break for McLaren. Oh, yeah, all right. It's, they've, they've had their... Proof of concept has been um, verified by their performances for the summer, especially. Uh, but obviously, they have kept the performance. But I think other teams have obviously kept caught up a bit through the last part of the season. But the important thing is their concept is verified. They've understood the car, the developments they brought, brought performance. So that's all positive reinforcement for for them going into the winter break. So they know their direction to continue on. Um, and obviously, they're going to, of course, they're going to have ideas and development plans for the winter. But they don't want to, no team wants to arrive at the winter break going, I don't actually know where we can bring this performance because we know it doesn't work, but what can we do? But McLaren probably have a very clear plan because their concept, since they brought the first upgrades in Austria, it's just been performance gain after performance gain after performance gain. And that's just a positive um, cycle to be in for a team. Absolutely. Um, Aston Martin, of course, the team that were challenging them, as we said already, it was a long shot that, that Aston Martin were going to take P4 back from McLaren. And I think in a way, if they'd have done so, I think it would have been a bit unfair to McLaren's progress, given that Aston Martin, they were incredibly strong earlier in the season. That's where they very much peaked. They recovered it a little bit in the last few races, but obviously it was a bit too little too late. Fernando Alonso finishing P7, which is probably about right where we expected him to. Stroll in the points again, not quite P5, but still scoring points. So that's obviously some progress for him. The highlight, I suppose, in that race, as far as Aston Martin was concerned, was uh, 
Fernando Alonso having a bit of an interesting play with Lewis Hamilton in terms of defensive tactics. At one point, uh, potentially break checking Hamilton before the DRS section. Uh, what did you make of all of that, Lee? Because Hamilton was adamant that Alonso break checked him. It looked like Alonso had break checked him. But part of me feels that Alonso, it wasn't that he was trying to break check Hamilton deliberately. I think what we saw there was Alonso trying to recreate one of those 200 IQ plays that he pulled off years ago. I think it was a 2013 Canadian Grand Prix where him and Hamilton were fighting back then, obviously for Ferrari and Mercedes respectively. And then he uh, braked quite early to allow Hamilton to have the DRS on Hamilton to then get the overtake done when he was going there. I think we tried to see a little bit of that today for Fernando and it just didn't quite work out. I think Lewis saw that one coming. Yeah, I look on the footage, it definitely appeared like there was a lift off the, the throttle at that moment. But obviously the stewards have a lot more data than you get just on the video feed. And they would have they would have seen a clear lift if, uh, or a break if there was an actual break check. So the fact that there was no penalty there, um, there means that just what appeared to be in the footage, or listen on the footage, wasn't um, actually what occurred, or there wasn't a big enough um, break or lift to be of concern. Um, but it was it was brilliant um, driving from Fernando. Lewis got past Fernando. Fernando came back, and then Fernando disappeared. So it was. It was a bit of an unusual battle because uh, I didn't expect Gaston Martin to have the performance on that on Lewis and Mercedes, but Lewis just wasn't on it that this weekend, and Fernando managed to disappear after retaking really position, and it was that's how it stayed uh, from then on. Yeah, well, I mean, Lewis had a bit of damage from an earlier incident. Yeah. I think it was with Ocon or Gasly, one of the Alpines, it and. You know, sometimes we see that when a driver loses one of the side end plates of their front wing, it doesn't really affect them in performance, or in the case of Max Verstappen, it makes him faster. But um, obviously Hamilton was definitely struggling with a lack of downforce, and uh, it just kind of culminated in what was a difficult weekend for him to round off the season. Um, Yeah, strange one for Fernando. I think that's kind of what was going on. I'm not trying to create an excuse for him. He certainly doesn't need one, but someone as wily and as creative as Fernando Alonso is, I'm pretty certain there was something at play other than I'm just going to break check Hamilton because, you know, banter or anything stupid like that. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there was no malpractice in that uh, from Fernando. But, uh, yeah, the stewards did note him for driving erratically, which is probably fair enough, really. Um, looking at Sonoda now, Driver of the day, probably driver of the weekend, I think as well, because he qualified very well in sixth place, managed to finish eighth. Uh, Alpha Tauri just missing out on trying to catch Williams for P7 in the Constructors' Championship. I think it's pretty much a fair reflection of their season that, you know, particularly the second half, they have made some progress. Obviously, they had a new floor on this weekend, which has drawn a lot of attention from some rival teams about the nature and how they've been able to produce a floor like that and what that could mean for 2024 but given it was Franz Toss final race as a team boss in Formula One uh, over 350 Grand Prix I believe it is so you know incredible incredible career for him I hope he enjoys his retirement very very well indeed was it a fitting finale Yuki Tsunoda's performance this weekend to Franz Tost yeah I think it was overall obviously it's not been a a secret Alfatari gains the performance since they've brought in some of the the Red Bull parts, so the rear suspension. Obviously, they've got that new floor, as you said. But the fact that he could he led the race for a few laps, yes, it was a few laps, and it wasn't it wasn't on merit. It was just because of the pit stops. 
Oh, I say merit. It wasn't merit because other cars appeared, but it wasn't on performance merit. Well, it still counts. Clar- yeah, I, I mean, still want to clarify. Japanese but, F1 driver to lead a Grand Prix after Takuma Sato, I think, yeah. will probably be the the first one. So th- that's something for him. He'd be delighted with that. And he joins a, a, a very small amount of drivers that Franz Tos has overseen at the time through AlphaTauri and Toro Rosso um, that have actually led a race. Right. Yes, he didn't win the race, but it's still a very small amount of drivers that have led a race from that team. So I think it was a fitting end to Franz Tosk's um, management of that team that one of his drivers led for a few laps. And well done on Yuki for being in that position in the first place. But unfortunately for him, just obviously missing out that vital position needed for their constructors. Yeah, of course. And, and Daniel Ricciardo put in a decent performance this weekend as well. Just missing out on the points, um, you know, finishing in P11. Could, you know, he had some bad luck at the start with some tear-offs and that getting into the cooling system, which probably hurt him a little bit in terms of performance and uh, wasn't the best qualifying run from Ricardo either, qualifying 15th when Sonoda was all the way up in P6. So, you know, it's unfortunate for Alpha Tauri, but I think P8 was probably about where they deserved to finish in the Constructors' Championship based off this season. I think if they'd have finished ahead of Williams, I don't think that they deserved that over the course of the season, despite the late surge they had. But looking at Yuki Tsunoda's performance of the last few races, Lee, he's been very, very impressive. So I guess with 2024 seemingly likely at this point that Checo is going to remain in that Red Bull alongside Max Verstappen. I mean, if he doesn't, I'd be massively surprised. Even though Ricardo seemingly was the favourite to replace Checo if that was to happen, should we be paying more attention in 2024 to Yuki Tsunoda? Because I think what we've seen is that even though the headlines are going to be about Ricardo and the expectation will be that Ricardo will be much stronger next season now that he's more familiar with this Alpha Tauri, does Yuki Tsunoda deserve an opportunity to really prove that he could be capable of driving that car in 2025? All the politics and, and stuff aside with Honda and their relationship with Red Bull, but uh, what do you reckon? I mean, on performance merit, I think it should be considered, um, especially depending how the season goes next year, obviously if he outperforms Daniel then he should be an option for Red Bull. But I do think as much as he he may have a great season next year or not, um, I think the Honda relationship is going to be a, a bigger impact on, again, potential Red Bull um, drive just because of the relationship with the, the constructor. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll have to wait and see how things go. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, I think if Red Bull are serious about looking for their post-Checo driver in 2025 whenever that will be I think Yuki Tsunoda at the very least deserves an opportunity to at least be you know under the microscope and considered because he has shown that even though there have been times when he's been a bit erratic or you know there's certain traits to his arsenal that do need a bit of refining he's a very very quick driver and you know that's certainly something that Alpha Tauri have enjoyed and I think has been a big part of their resurgence in the late part of this season and I don't think it's something that Red Bull should entirely ignore because he may end up being the best candidate and if they're not looking at him then you know they'll probably be missing out but we'll have to wait and see 2024 is going to be a big year for Yuki obviously Franz Toss not being there anymore will obviously be a factor because he's very much been a huge fan and nurturer of Yuki Tsunoda um, but he's definitely going to have to move past that now and uh, show he's got what it takes going forward. Oh yeah, I mean it's a big, it'll be a big change to his career for us. the the mentory to move on, and that obviously how the relationship develops with the 
and the new team principal um, and obviously the senior management without Franz Tolls being in that corner defending Yuki it's it will be a season of many changes for Yuki next year yeah Absolutely. A uh, quick one on Alpine, of course. Ocon and Gasly, P12, P13. So no points there. So I believe Pierre Gasly did finish ahead of Ocon in the Drivers' Championship overall. But I think a performance like today or this weekend for Alpine would probably be considered rather mediocre. And I think after finishing P6 in the Constructors, mediocre is probably about right in terms of their season. Of course, there are a few highlights. I think uh, Ocon with podium in Monaco and a great performance in Vegas. Gasly having some big moments as well. But uh, I guess it's a case for Alpine. They need to do better in 2024. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah, the uh, I've been saying it all year about Alpine land. And, and Alpine very much finished the last race. It's solid Alpine land. But if they want to be meet their ambitions they need to close out peen land and, and move up the, the field um and being in no man's land is just not where any team wants to be be it at the uh or i mean yeah, at the front i'm sure they would be in no man's land at the front but um in the midfield no one wants to be in no man's land at the midfield because you're not going to be able to take it to the, the front and you've got no change from the back it's you're just going around the circle about a, a race so to speak um so yeah, they really need to try and close that gap and be in the fight for at least P5, if not higher. Absolutely. And I think they have to take lessons from what Aston Martin and McLaren did in 2023. These were two teams that they were fighting last year, perhaps more so McLaren than Aston Martin. But by virtue of how far those two teams have jumped them, they really have to try and get it right in 2024. Because if they don't, it's more likely that they're going to fall backwards rather than rise upwards. So uh, yeah, Better from Alpine in 2024 for their sake. Hopefully that is the case. Williams, quick one on them. Of course, managed to hold off Alva Tauri in the end. Albon 14th, Sergeant 16th, despite what appeared to be some decent pace in qualifying from them. Never really translated into anything significant in the race, as um, James Vowles expected. But Williams finished P7 in the Constructors' Championship. So, so regardless of the performance today, overall, it's been a remarkable return to form for them and they'll be delighted with that performance no i'm very happy for where they're finished um it's been a shame to see such a great team stuck on the back for so many years um and yes it's only p7 but it's a step in the right direction and the the extra in injection of money from finishing that position um obviously alpha tauri would have loved the money but they come from red bull backing and all the sponsorships that's associated with that and just the Williams team, that that's money I think would mean more to them a lot more than it would to the Red Bull family. Um so well done to Williams in being in that position. Obviously Logan, there's loads of questions to mark about him because obviously he's not a confirmed drive. But it's still a great performance from Williams overall. I mean if you were James Vowles, obviously he's been quite outspoken in support of Logan Sargent suggestions despite the fact it's not confirmed seem to be that he will stay on at the team there haven't really been any indications of late that I can think of or have seen that would suggest that his seat is genuinely at risk and that he's about to be replaced but has Logan's form in the last few months done enough to convince you that he should at the very least be given another opportunity in that car next season uh for me I would say no um he did have an improvement when he got his first points but you think at the beginning of the season, he struggled to set uh, lap times in qualifying because of 
track limits and violations. And at the last race of the season, he's doing the same thing. So that that shows um, they can repeat the same rookie mistakes beginning of the season. And there's not really been a development in that aspect. Yes, there's more to driving a car than just qualifying times. But if you question one thing that has been no improvement, what other aspects has there been no improvement? And it's just not been convincing drives for me. I think Williams probably be better looking elsewhere for next year. Yeah, I mean, there are a few options on the table. Um, of course, you know, we saw some of the rookies doing an out in, in FP1 with Zach O'Sullivan. It might be a bit too soon for him. Maybe someone like Frederick Vesti coming P2 in F2 this season. It was a very strong drive this weekend for Frederick Vesti, albeit not quite enough to topple Teo Porcher, the uh, Formula 2 champion, and congratulations, of and course, to him on that achievement. He is, but of course, there's always that connection with yeah. Mercedes as a way in and he was a driver that was linked with that seat a little while ago. There are some other drivers. Um, Mick Schumacher was another one, but he's confirmed to be driving for the uh, Alpine WEC outfit in 2024. So obviously that's what he's going to be doing. So um, yeah, for me, uh, I I don't know if Sargent's done enough, but I think Williams seemed convinced that with some more backing and a bit more nurturing that there is more to come from him, which is enough to convince them to keep him in 2024. As I said, you've got to keep your ear to the ground of these things. Not that I'm the most reputable source or that from what I hear is any insider information. I get my information the same way as everybody else does, really, from what they find out on the internet. So take that for what it's worth. But um, I don't see any suggestions that Logan Sargent is going to be replaced in 2024. If he is, that will be quite a shock. Um, Of course, if he does stay with the team next season and is confirmed to be on the grid for Williams next year, it will be the first season... Um, that I can think of. I'd, again, I'll have to check this with our friend Sean Kelly if this has ever happened before, but this could potentially be one of, if not the first F- F1 season, where there's not been a driver change from the final race of the previous season to the first race of the new season. Um, so that gets rid of the Nick DeVries, Ricardo thing altogether, if uh, anyone's got that excuse. So yeah, that would be an interesting change because you always see changes on the grid, but uh, looks like we're not going to get any heading into 2024. Um, Quick one on Alfa Romeo. We haven't talked too much about them. And disappointing into the season for them, P9 overall. So they've certainly fallen backwards considering that, where were they, P5 at the end? Or P, was it P4? P, P6 actually it might have been yeah. um, in 2022. P9 in 2023. Obviously, the... Um, the lucrative enticement of having the Chinese Grand Prix on next season will be something that Zhou Guan Yu will certainly look forward to and Alfa Romeo, which becomes Sauber in 2024, let's not forget. Um, given the fact that Teo Porcher has won the F2 Championship and he is the next young driver to come through on Sauber's books, do you think they might be regretting not putting him in that car next season? Or do you feel that he can wait on the sidelines like Oscar Piastri did, for example, and maybe have an impact going forward. What are your thoughts on that? Because for me, something's got to change at that team before it becomes Audi. And Audi are very reluctant to um, transition into this team before their time in 2026. So I feel like in the meantime, there needs to be injection of something fresh. And I don't think we're going to get that. And I think the only thing that we can see that might help with that is Teo Porcher. But from what we can see, that's not going to happen at least until 2025 now. Yeah, um, I I don't see much change this side of the um, Sauber being Audi. I think it's very much a good team, going to be status quo, um, keep it going. Um, 
obviously as Audi trickling in the investments, especially in the facilities and team building in the over the next year or so. But I don't think there's gonna be much change in the drivers. Um obviously Joe's be doing just enough performance wise for his seat. He's um say just enough, it's no discredit to him. Um he's doing just enough. And then the Chinese race being back, I think from a financial marketing perspective, I think that's been quite a convincing factor as well. And Valtteri's just been doing just enough. And as Courtney likes to say, Valtteri's on holiday a lot of the time mentally and he's checked out. So it really, really nice to see Valtteri check back in um, and turn up and and do the racing. It's just yeah, been a bit of a disappointing season for both of them, especially how well they did last year. Yeah, I think if there's anybody that would be looking to see the back of the 2023 season, it's probably Valtteri Bottas, uh, all arguments' sake. So, uh, yeah, a disappointing finish for Alfa Romeo, and uh, or hopefully when the well when they become Sauber next season, it'll be a better season for them. Uh, last but not least, let's talk about uh, the Haas team finishing bottom of the pile overall. It's been a tough season for them. Summed up pretty much how their season has gone this weekend. Hulkenberg, the highlight, of course, qualifying in P8, another top 10 qualifying position from Hulkenberg. It's been a remarkable return for him this season, despite the pitfalls of their car. But falling all the way down to P15, Kevin Magnussen, bottom of the pile altogether. I suppose the highlight of their weekend, Lee, and contender for wholesome moment of the season is when Hulkenberg qualified in the top 10 and he had a lovely embrace with his, uh, what was it, with his daughter? Um, which was really, really sweet. But that's about as good as it got for Haas this season. Yeah, I mean, uh, Haas, um, I mean, the days of when they were up there getting good points, scoring back, um, when they, back in 2016, 2017, it seemed ages ago. And something's not quite working in that team. Um, yes, they've struggled with their concepts and their tyre tire use. They can light the tyres brilliantly, which gives them great qualifying results. but nowhere on race day but it does if they took three quarters of the year to bring an update to try and um bring in a new concept and it just raises questions about is their current arrangement for actually working for them should they bring it in design in-house instead of buying as many parts as they can from ferrari could um should they require more investments so they're not just the um, working on the minimal budget as possible to, because it obviously I'm sure Gene Hass isn't there to just to make up the numbers. Um, yes, it is obviously in representing his organisation, the Hass Industries, but I'm sure he wants better results than finishing last in the constructors. So it does raise questions overall about what obviously the direction the team should be going forward. Absolutely, and um, it, it will be something for them to think about. Um, I was just thinking in my head, like. I remember hearing stories about a show that they were proposing with Gunther Steiner that he was going to be a part of. I'm not sure if it was Netflix or Amazon Prime, something along those lines. And they were proposing it to be a bit like The Office, uh, the US version of The Office or the British version, whichever one you were parcel to with Gunther Steiner at the helm being the Michael Scott, if you like, of that for anyone who's seen the show. I mean, I would pay good money to watch that. So uh, hopefully they make it. That would be fun to watch. But um, obviously we don't want Haas to be just a jokey team or known for, you know, Gunther Steiner's memeable moments, if you like. Then there are so many of them. It's why he's so beloved as a team boss and as a human being, you know. Um, I mean, as a driver, I can understand why drivers would run through walls for him. But uh, yeah, hopefully for them, it'll be better next season. I suppose we'll talk about this more in the review episode coming later this weekly 
But uh, some food for thought on their driver lineup going forward because uh, as we saw with K-Mag in 2022 when he completely dominated Mick Schumacher and obviously uh, resulted in Mick Schumacher losing his seat, Hulkenberger's kind of done the same thing to him this season. So obviously it won't happen next season, but uh, there is certainly something for Kevin Magnussen to think about if he wants to stay in that team going forward, especially given that we saw young Ollie Behrman uh, the young British hotshot in F2, who is very highly thought of, the young 18-year-old, uh, Ferrari Academy driver as well. So there is that connection there too. He may be on the books to race for Huss in 2025 maybe. So clearly, 2024, Magnussen is definitely going to have to try and uh, get one back over Holkenberg if he wants to keep his seat beyond next season. Is it the other Ferrari driver, Robert Schwartzman? There's yeah, he he, imp- he looked quite impressive as well in the Ferrari. I just can't see a scenario where we're going to get two young Ferrari drivers oh, no, in the same seat. What I meant is there's a growing Ferrari Academy pressure building up. Mm. Well, and we, Ferrari yeah, will want to, to place them somewhere and Haas would be the first obvious choice because obviously they'll lose the, they've lost that Sauber connection with Audi coming in and there will be a pressure to get well, at least one of those drivers there. So Kevin being the the loser of the inter um, fight we're against Nico, that pressure is going to be building, and Ferrari's going to be applying pressure. And so, if Kevin doesn't step up, he will find himself uh, no longer having a race seat. It could be. I mean, I'm convinced poor chair is going to be in a Sauber in 2025 because um, they're going to have to get him in before Audi take over. Otherwise, you know, what do you do? So. The seat is there at Haas. If Oli Behrman has a stellar season in F2 and makes that natural progression that we hope he certainly will from a British perspective, then obviously there's going to be a fight on the hands of the two Haas drivers to try and see who's going to keep their seat in 2025, assuming that one of them actually does. We may see a scenario like we got a few years back when last time K-Mag lost his seat at Haas, where both drivers lost their seats to two rookie drivers. We'll have to wait and see. But um, I think that's pretty much all we got time for. We summed up the race this weekend uh, you know it's a circuit that a lot of people aren't overly keen on to host the final race of the season and it wasn't quite the finale we were hoping for at the start of the 2023 season but nonetheless it's been an incredible season for many different reasons especially of course if you are a Max Verstappen fan and a Red Bull fan I'm gonna leave you with this one Lee Crofty sort of mentioned this on the commentary, but I'll bring it back because I'm sure it's something I alluded to in the preview. I certainly mentioned it on another show that I was a guest on this week. But this is the first season since 1952 that the British National Anthem has not been played on the podium by a winning driver or a winning team, which is absolutely crazy i'm sure the non-british listeners of this that aren't keen on the british bias that we throw about sometimes or we're accused of at least will probably enjoy that stat but um it never really crossed my mind that we would have a season i mean i know we've not had a se- every season where a british driver was one of course that would be you know ridiculous that's not happened but we've always been used to at least seeing a british team win but can't believe i'm saying this yeah absolutely crazy stat but um yeah it's got to happen at some point i guess 70 odd years yeah, I got me. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't realize <laughs> no, that a team or a driver had um, be, been in a winning position. Wow, that's a uh, yeah. You learn something new every day. <laughs> it is. Well, it's up there with a lot of people that are complaining about how often we've heard the Dutch national anthem, and and you know we're going to get a break now for three months of out here and that until uh, until Bahrain in twenty twenty four. Well, I'm sure it will do the rounds once again. But of course, let's not forget the Austrian national anthem has been played two more times this season. 
than the Dutch national anthem and nobody seems to care about that one but it's not the first time I've mentioned that on this show but as I said guys that's the roundup of the final race of the 2023 season we certainly hope that you have enjoyed this I'm not going to say it's been an absolute classic of a season but I'm certainly looking forward to having a bit of a break away from uh, the week-by-week F1 racing for a little while, but of course we'll be ready and recharged for 2024, which is about 96, 95 days away before that lights out in Bahrain. So uh, plenty to get stuck into until then. Of course, we have got plenty of content coming through the winter break. And I admittedly, I know we've not been the best at putting out content of late. This season has been a bit of a slog for a lot of reasons inside and outside of doing this podcast and uh, I'm not going to bore you with the details of that but next season we're hoping to be very much on our A game again and we'll certainly will do our best to keep that going in the off season so keep with us make sure to like the video subscribe to the channel if you are new and of course don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcasting platform and give us feedback on the episode we always appreciate it we always welcome your opinions it helps make the show as good as it can be lee before we sign off once and for all for the 2023 season, any final thoughts on what's gone down in 2023? Uh, final thought? Uh, well, I think the most impressive thing is, for me, take out of the season, is just being McLaren. Um, you think they were P10 on the constructors at the first race. And finishing P4, that's a very bold on recovery Um that they, they managed to do from the team and they understood that. And I think for me, I think that's a very big highlight to take away from from this season is that any team can be finished, probably well, the start of the season could be bottom, but they can fight, they can, a team have, have the resources and the, the knowledge can bring themselves into contention, not just for race wins, but into a mid-fight, um, mid-table fight in the midfield. So I think it's, I think that's the highlight of the season and that's one story that I've really enjoyed following this season. It's a sign of hope and I think that's the important takeaway from all of this that, you know, it is the hope that often kills you as a sports fan but seeing what McLaren have achieved in the back half of this season, seeing what Aston Martin achieved over the winter break last season, there is some hope that we could get a much more competitive 2024. If it wasn't for Max Verstappen and Red Bull, of course, it probably would have gone down as an all-time classic season because it has been very competitive throughout the entirety of the rest of the field, Sergio Perez included, of course, in that. But um, And I think this is why this is, has to be the highlight for me. I don't think there's anything further than you can look at Max Verstappen and Red Bull. Absolutely incredible dominance. To the, to the likes, I think we will we may never see again saying that we'll probably get it in 2024 but no spoilers on that one (laughs) hopefully that doesn't happen of course unless you're a max fan you probably will want more of the same i don't know i can't speak for you guys but um we shall wait and see but until then guys we'll be back for the 2023 season review later this week but i hope that you have enjoyed the 2023 f1 season i hope that you enjoyed our coverage throughout this season i'm very much looking forward to a nice bit of a break now but we'll be back strong soon with some more content for you but until then take care stay safe as always and we'll see you in the next episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast and remember as always for the final time in the 2023 f1 season if you're not first you're probably dnf1 take care
Social Podcast Network.